Hello and welcome to today's Retailing Podcast. I'm Kylie Roth-Seibert and I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Schiano. And uh, today's episode of Retailing Podcast is brought to you by Chesapeake Square Mall. Chesapeake Square is located in the Western Branch community of Chesapeake in Hampton Roads metropo- metro-, metro or metropolitan area. The mall has approximately 40 stores, anchors and several eateries in the food court as well. So you can visit chesapeakesquare.com to see what it all has to offer. So thank you, Chesapeake, for sponsoring today. And today's guest, very happy to say, is Jason Williams of EOS, EOS I should say, Worldwide. So welcome, Jason, to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I think we just start off, it might be easier for you to sort of explain rather than us <laughs> what you do, a little bit about yourself, the business you belong with okay um so uh, what what i do is i bring a set of simple tools to ceos and leadership teams uh to teach them or make them stronger in three areas that we call vision traction and healthy uh vision in terms of where you're going and how you're going to get there um organizations tend to get a little confused on uh, exactly why the organization is there and where they're headed And then uh, traction in terms of instilling discipline and accountability uh, inside the entire organization so that when the owners leadership walk around through the organization, uh, when they see people working, they know that they're executing on that vision um, and not just working for no reason or working to work. And then finally, probably the the least, um, the area that's least attended to is healthy. And uh, a lot of companies are really good at being smart, which is doing the business day to day. Um, but uh, they tend to forget being healthy. And what we found is if we focus on the leadership team getting healthy, cohesive, um, on the same page and actually having fun doing what they're doing, uh, it'll trickle down through the rest of the organization. Um, So that's that's a summary of what we do, Um, working on strengthening six key components of businesses. Um, But that, that gives you at least a starting point. Yeah. And this in your sort of, uh, do you have a territory? You like a rep or do you sort of just have clients everywhere? Nope. Is it kind of like, so at, like the, the title says it's EOS worldwide. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it was really cool when, when uh, Gino Wickman started this organization and starting putting people in place. Uh, there's about 500 of me now across the world, um, but we have no territory. So I can work literally anywhere in the world um from anywhere in the world so it's it's really fun because if i've got a client or i know somebody out in la um, i'm more than welcome to go out and handle that client well that's great so how do you find is it like word of mouth referrals how do you find your clients to be a combination of ways so eos worldwide has been um has existed for gosh i don't know that's i haven't actually said that before i want to say around 15 years 20 years it's not it's not a uh an old organization. It's relatively new. Um, it's Gino, fifteen years. Yeah, it's not not a bad number either. Yeah. Well, we've we've now implemented this system, um, the EOS system, into fifteen thousand companies, so worldwide. And so it's not it's not new. It's a proven system. We know that it works. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't remember where I was going there. But yeah, it's it's worldwide at this point. Yeah. Okay. Um. So tell us a little bit, like in terms of the process of, you know, you meet someone, 
what how do you start how do you go through how do you is it cookie cutter templates like what is it how do you do this whole thing so um it's not cookie cutter templates but it is a system and so the way that i describe it and then i'll i'll get right to your question the way that i describe it to people is if you purchase a Chick-fil-A franchise, if, if you jump into a Chick-fil-A franchise, they're going to hand you a book. And it's the how to do Chick-fil-A book. It tells you how to cook the chicken, how to prep the meals, exactly how to hand it out the window, how to do your drive-through process. The thing is, is entrepreneurs don't get that book. Um, so most of us, I've owned six companies over the course of my life um, and run a nonprofit um, for uh, about five or six years. So we just kind of go, okay, we don't know how to do this. We're going to try to figure it out. So a lot of times it's a technician, like an HVAC guy goes, well, lots of people want to hire me. I'll hire someone else and I'll create a business. So EOS gives them the structure for that. So it is a system, but within the system, there's a ton of flexibility. So the way that we would start with a client is I would, I would meet someone who's interested, who's heard of EOS, and we always start free. Um, so we would start with a 90 minute um, meeting. Um, we actually very creatively call it the 90 minute meeting. <laughs> and I'm going to go over the six components of business um, and kind of show, give them some free tools on how they can improve those six components. And really it's a journey of getting everyone that I work with a hundred percent strong in those six key components. Um, so we start free. We start with a 90 minute meeting. If they want to work with me at that point, great. If they want to self-implement, we have tools for that. Um, or if they want to just read the book and go it on their own, that's also an option, not a recommended one, but some people do try to just, just kind of swing at it and do it on their own, which is actually what I did uh, four years ago, three and a half years ago in my two companies. Um, I just kind of read the book and tried really hard. Um, <laughs> so kind of like buying a Lamborghini and putting it in first gear and never getting into any of the other gears. That's what that's like. So tell us then, going back to those two companies, did they succeed or is that why now you're at this company? No, they no. I'm actually sitting in the office of one of them. Um, so I own a high-end high photography company uh, based in Norfolk. Um, and I've got a great team here uh, that works with me. Um, it's very quiet in the office today because we work a four-day schedule. Um, but yes, it it has uh, it's grown um leaps and bounds since we implemented EOS. And then the other company was actually on the other side of photography is a volume photography company that competes for school contracts. And I sold that July 1st so that I could focus on um, coaching and working with other uh, businesses. Okay. So do you use the high-end photography as like an example of a success? Of um, a yeah, like I said, we've we've implemented into 15,000 companies with an average increase in revenue of 18%. So we have thousands of illustrations in specific industries that we can give people. I've kept this company more because it's it reminds me of what it's like to be a business owner still, of having the challenges of staffing, of, you know, redirecting a team member, finding a new team member, letting a team member go. Um, it reminds me of what it's like to be a business owner. So I don't get completely disconnected. Um, right. Sometimes they say, if you can't play, you coach. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to, I want to make sure I keep playing while I'm coaching. And so at least for now, this is what I'm going to do. The, the coaching uh, consulting is taking off. And so I don't know how much longer I'll be able to do both. But if I, if I really fully implement EOS, 
it does allow you to be free from your business and not have to be here on the day to day. So um, I'm here about one day a week right now. Okay. So, so is, is EOS more catered towards a new business or can it kind of be implemented for any business, no matter how long they've existed? So our target market, the answer is it's actually not targeted towards a new business. It's tar targeted towards existing businesses with leadership teams. So our target market is 10 to 250 employees, usually with a million or more in revenue. So it is, uh, I say larger companies, that's still considered a, a small business, even at a million. Um, but at a million, they're also in, in the top 4% in the country. Uh, only about 4% of all businesses ever breach that million dollar mark. Um, but where we where we really shine is with leadership teams and getting those leadership teams on the same page. Um, but we do work with organizations from two to a thousand. So mm -hmm. that's kind of our range. Once we get past that, uh, past the thousand mark, um, we found that that's really just not going to be target market. Um, and also it's a little bit more difficult for companies if you're only doing a quarter million or half a million, um, what uh, implementers charge. Um, seems a little bit more insurmountable um, versus a company that's doing a million or more. It's much more affordable for for them to bring someone like myself in and work with them over the course of a couple of years. Right. You know, I, I can imagine. But, um, so going back then, I would like to just hear a little bit about your career journey. So um, you just talked about your like your recent and the you know what you just sold, but going back a little bit. Do you feel like you've already always had like an entrepreneurial spirit? You know, how did you start your career? I should say uh, like today, but you know, <laughs> six years old, I dragged a table out of my grandma's garage to set up a shop at the end of her driveway to sell literal junk. Um, <laughs> I, I was set up maybe five minutes. I probably just wanted to buy candy or something. I don't know what the motivation was, but. Um, it took about five minutes for my first customer to come along. And it was this odd woman dressed in way too many layers, sunglasses, hat pulled low. Um, and she wiped out my inventory. I think she gave me like $6 and, and bought everything. And I went, I'm a businessman. <laughs> um, the funny thing was, is I, it must've been maybe uh, 10 years later. I'm reminiscing with my mom. It's her mother that is the house I was at her parents' house, her childhood home. Mm -hmm. And, um, she looks at me kind of odd and goes, you know, that was your grandma, right? Oh, no. I, I had no idea. So grandma Parker gets the, all the credit for launching my entrepreneurial career. Um, and I went on, I mean, I, I had more ideas than I could ever get done, but uh, I, I had a paper route at one point. I actually um, flipped scratch and dent equipment from uh, a store that um, I'm not sure you guys will even know. It's, it was called Service Merchandise. Um, it was kind of Service Merchandise and then Circuit City and then Best Buy. That's like the, the evolution of that type of store. But they would mark things down every Friday and I would keep an eye on it until I thought I could flip it for a profit. Um, so that was when I was maybe 14. Oh, wow. Um, and then went in, I, I had a, an auto detailing business when I was, uh, 17, um, along with working three retail jobs. Um, so I've always been a hard worker and I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, and then a, a cheer gem, a retail store, a camp company, um, we, I've done a lot. Um, so 
Did you no. inherit that skill or is it just no. not your not parents, your grandparents? Not? Uh, no, uh, let's see. Grandparents were farmers. Um, my dad was a pastor. Uh, mom was a piano teacher. Um, so no, no one. I'm I'm the oddball in the family. I like to I like to run businesses and been yeah. fascinated with my even photography. You'll find most people in photography are creatives and they hate business. And I'm a business guy that likes being creative. So I'm I'm the anti everyone else. Like I'll ask a question like, well, what was your margin last year? And they go, what's a margin? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> you take pretty pictures. Yeah. So you I'm. Know, yeah. You're willing to, I mean, are you a photographer or are you just. I am. A, you are a photographer as yes, well. I am. I was wondering whether you like to manage the business and own a business, but you don't you want to employ the, the professional part, you know, the, the actual photographers. So, so yeah. you want to be in the business. Well, I still enjoy photography at this point. I don't do any of the day to day. Uh, I don't do sales sessions. I don't book clients. I don't do consults pretty much. Um, I have a specific area that I am um, I'm highly skilled at and that's what I still handle. Um, but it's, it's few and far between and it's high ticket clients. Um, so, you know, I might take a client a week to go do a session and that's still fun for me. As long as it's fun, I'm going to continue to do it. Um, but I usually, I'll take a session in the evening and my clients are usually eight to four, nine to five. Um, and so, and I'm not every day doing consulting and I'm not intended to be, um, uh, maybe a hundred days a year I'm full. Um, so leaves me time left over for other passions and pursuits. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a great, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a great ideal for, for a lot of people would be to have that time. The time is just the, yeah. Well, that's really, I find a lot of my clients when um, when we do that 90 minute meeting that's no charge, we'll ask them, what do you want from your business? And it's funny because I already know the answer is just going to come in different forms. What they want, people who own businesses, they want freedom. And they find that their business has actually tied their hands. They've got a really complicated job as what they bought instead of a business or what they started instead of a business. And so everybody's looking for freedom. And that's probably, it, it sounds a little bit on the cheesy side, but that's really what I provide for business owners is I teach them how to get freedom out of their company and set up the structure. So that way they're not tied to it and they're not bound by it. Right. And I've got the same thing in my companies. I've got freedom. Yeah. Um, going on from that, then, if you're creating a structure from a, for a company and for people to be able to sort of have that free time with the issues that are going on now in terms of, you know, finding good people um, who stick, is that part of a strategy or is that, you know, well, you just got to deal with what you've got for right now and or you know, like, how do you deal with that with business owners and leadership teams? So really what I find is if you create, if you create a great culture and you understand and define the culture that you've created, great people are not nearly as hard to find. And so what I mean by that is, um, well, I'll, I'll give you a great example because this person will never hear this, this podcast. I actually had an interview coming up and uh, uh, interviewing an assistant for myself. And um, I got a message from them, and this may seem harsh to people, but bear with me, hang tight. Um, they, uh, they canceled the interview. They said they weren't feeling well. 
that's an instant no for me. I emailed him back and said, thank you for your time. We're not going to continue with the interview. And the reason for that is I'm a high reliability person. That's a core value for us. And I know that my team here, if they're not feeling well, they're showing up and I'm having to make them go home. That's a core value. And so people who don't fit that value, they don't fit our culture and I should not hire them. It's not a mean thing. It's a find someplace that's a little bit more laid back. I'm not. Um, I want my team here. It's very important that our team shows up. And literally 100% of the people I have will show up sick. And I'm like, go home, go home. And they're like, I don't want to go home. I've got a job to do. And I'm like, no, you're going home. So understanding that core value, all of us share it. And so our culture is fantastic. But what people do is they don't understand their core values and what's important to them. So they keep hiring the wrong people. And those wrong people infect the core value by complaining about, oh my gosh, he wants me here on time all the time. Mm-hmm. And then nobody shares that. You understand the, the cyclical effect that it has. So we work with people to discover their true core values. And then we hire, fire, reward, recognize, on those core values it's it's the whole system is based on those five or six values that really are near and dear to that organization and that helps tremendously with hiring Mm. yeah so it's not just about being qualified then per se like they could be qualified for the job but if they're not matching then it's kind of like what's the point let's not waste each other's times Yep. So there's two factors and this comes straight. I'm, I'm stealing this. So uh, I'll give credit where credit's due. It's out of good to great, which is a book by Jim Collins, which every business owner should read. And they talk about right, right people and right seats. So right people is core value fit. Um, that means you align with the values of the company. Right seat is a skill fit. So I always pick on CPAs with this. So you can have a, a CPA that's phenomenal, but everyone hates working with them. They're afraid to go in their office. They're grouchy. They're mean. Um, they're always complaining. And like in my office, we wouldn't tolerate that for a second. Like we can't have that person in the office. They're going to destroy our culture and the vibe that's in the office. So understanding it's not just skills, it's also core values. So those are, that's how we separate. And do you think that there's more of a trend towards that now? Or is it still, you know, well, what degree, you know, level of education do you have? And, and, you know, that's all they're looking at and you kind of get foot in the door without it. I think it depends on the organization. There's some organizations that are really old school. And if you don't have a particular degree, then they're not even going to look at you. Um, But every industry is different. I'm working with a company right now that does some mechanical stuff on a a very large scale with very large companies. And sometimes the companies dictate that, like a safety officer in that company, um, the, the companies that hire them require five, 10 years experience from the safety supervisor. And so sometimes companies are tied to it, but I find entrepreneurial com- entrepreneurial companies tend to be more open and less concerned about what credentials are behind your name. Um, so I think education is becoming less significant in, in terms of that. If you're a doctor, you need education. If you want to launch an HVAC company, it's not necessary. If you want to be hired by an HVAC company, which by the way, Anybody's looking for a job and they want a great career, HVAC and and plumbing and companies like that, you're looking at a six-figure salary as a laborer or a worker in those industries. They're phenomenal. And you can launch your own company easily. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's been in HVAC since he was 18. 
and he still is to this day and he's very very trusted um, in his groups it's a it's a fantastic career right now um so anybody that that's coming out of navy or or my military guys that are younger i'm always like look at hvac especially if you have a tendency to be mechanical i feel like it's a great fit but sorry we kind of swerved there but um, no the hvac companies are are doing fantastic yeah absolutely so when you go into a company what is the biggest hurdle for them to get on board with you guys and to get on board i suppose with the with the system so one of the, one of the first things we're going to do with a company it's actually on day one. So if they've agreed to to work with me, um, the first full day that we do together, um, we do something called an accountability chart. And the accountability chart is an org chart, but we add to that roles and responsibilities. And so it it would be um, we describe the seat. So it might be operations director or finance department. Okay, we need somebody to sit in that seat. And then we we write down like five things they're responsible for. This is an eye-opening experience for a lot of companies. Um, again, I just worked with one last week and they, I've never seen so many dotted lines and like the structure was just confusing and reeling these guys in and saying, we need a structure that's clear and simple and then we need roles and responsibilities. And they're like, well, but I do this and this and this. And I was like, okay, should you be? And so it's getting people to rethink their business. The illustration that I use is we're all fired today. Everybody in this room right now is a leader. You're all fired. None of you have jobs for the next few hours. I'll rehire you at the end. We're all board of directors. I need you to look down on your company and we need to make intelligent choices. And the rough part is, is they have to acknowledge that the choices that they've made may not have been the best choices mm-hmm. and that we need new choices and we need to actually get in our lanes and stay there. And that yeah. can be very difficult, especially for owners who are also in functional seats. Yeah. So you're you're an owner, you own a piece of the company, but you're also CFO. And so I've got to say, are you wearing your owner's hat or your CFO hat right now? And should you be in this seat or should someone else? So it's, it's letting go. We call it elevate and delegate, which means you give up the things you're not that good at and truly let them go and stay in your lane or in your unique ability. It's a Dan Sullivan term, but that's probably. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure that there's people too, who are, feeling threatened that they may not have a job uh, once, you know, you've sort of looked at the, how the structure should be of the company and they just don't fit anymore. And there are times when we finish this, this setup and we have to go, all right, Gary does not have a place on this chart right now. What are we doing with Gary? Or Gary's been moved out of the leadership team and down to here because that's what makes sense. Yeah. And that can be a difficult conversation, but that's what I get paid to do is have tough, honest, open conversations with teams about what they're doing. Yeah. And I think too, just having someone outside the organization is a lot easier than trying to do it just by yourselves. I know we're going through a strategic yeah. planning process um, and we've outsourced 
that help, you know, so, you know, we provide all the information, but they're the ones that are working with us to then give an outside point of view. And I think that's really important to have someone who's objective because I just don't think a lot of people in the leadership role, especially can be objective all the time. It's difficult. I do tell people that uh, just to kind of throw out a differentiation between um, like a consultant or someone who comes in and does a strategic plan versus what we do. Right. We believe the wisdom's in the room. Um, You know, when I work with a company that uh, like I've got one of my clients is a coffee company. I don't, I'd like coffee, but I don't know anything about coffee or food service. Like that's not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. My job is to pull their wisdom out and show them where to go. And a unique thing about EOS implementers is our target is to work with a client for two years and and then be out. So we are a train and leave. We don't create dependency on us. We're not doing a 10-year contract where we tell you how to do your business. We give you structure and we're really good across the board at asking questions. So why do you do it that way? I asked a couple guys that are running huge company um last week i asked them the question why don't you you're you're managing like 150 employees why don't you have an executive assistant and they're like well i mean i just kind of do it and i'm like okay but is that where your time is best spent so i'm just asking questions and at times that's where the safety officer thing came up i said why don't you fire him uh because we've got a guy that's a that's an issue for these people And they said, well, clients require 10 plus years of experience. We have to replace them. And I said, okay, that's fair. But asking the question makes them rethink. Um, They also Mm -hmm. had a problem employee and they had, they said, he's retiring in three years. And I went, so that's your plan is to just ride out a problem employee for three years. And they go, wait, say it like that. It sounds stupid. And I said, I just repeating back what you said. Yeah, that outside perspective, but they're smart. They're going to get it. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I'm just asking the questions of providing structure for the organization. Mm -hmm. A little different than a consultant. Consultants like to be leaned on, depended on, in my opinion, typically. Um, I like to create independence from me and then we move on. We're not trying to lock you down for years. Uh, We're implementing a system and then saying you've graduated. You don't really need me anymore. Is it, do you have a team or do you, is it you by yourself that goes in? Like, who do you work just, with? Just me. Um, and then the interview that I mentioned uh, earlier was for an assistant. Um, I okay. do need to to hire someone, but uh, we have a pool of assistants from a couple different companies that specialize in what we do. So they understand our terminology. So when mm-hmm. a client says to the assistant, uh, we're at 70% on our rocks, I don't have to teach them what that means. They actually already know all the terminology behind EOS. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're a little bit pricier, but they're well-suited and vetted for what we do. Um, so that will be it. I don't hire other people. Um, the franchise agreement does not allow that in terms of, I can't train someone to do what I do and send them out. Okay. They have to go get their own franchise in order to be able to do that. Okay. So, so it's it's a franchise, just, I didn't realize that, okay. It is okay. So EOS was, um, I'll give you the briefest version because I'm not sure this is relevant to listeners, but EOS was a what I would call a base camp model, which is where you go or boot camp model, boot camp, base camp. You go to boot camp, you get trained on the system, 
you have to subscribe to Basecamp, which is all the resources, and then go do you. And that was it. They flipped um, a year, almost two years ago, year and a half ago, to a franchise model, um, which I liked because success rate of a franchise is about 95%, and the success rate of an entrepreneurial organization is about 5%. And so <laughs> when you have a franchise model, you you get the book. So like, I got the book. This is how you do EOS. And I didn't have to make stuff up. I didn't have to figure it out. I know. And then I've got a quarterly meeting I go to to troubleshoot with a hundred other implementers. And so I was attracted to the franchise model. Mm -hmm. uh, I went through several interviews. I interviewed a bunch of people myself and um, purchased the the franchise, I guess, rights and then went through uh, boot camp. Mm -hmm. And now um, I'm off and running with a great support system in that franchise model. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there is a corporate uh, sub support. Uh, yes. I suppose franchise or um, part of it. That, yes. Uh, but is that, do they, is that a, uh, like a consistent ongoing relationship or once you've got it and you've given them the book, that's it? You're often, you nope. do we're actually required as a part of our agreement to attend quarterly meetings. So uh, I just got back from Tampa um, where I met with a hundred other uh, implementers and we've got um, coaches that are at that meeting that are, are training us mm -hmm. and developing us based on where we're at on our, um, on the journey. Um, and then I also, I have an assigned coach that took me through camp and that's someone that I can reach out to anytime for support. Um, I also have, I was just on the phone this morning going over a brand new personality assessment tool um, that's been put out and how that could affect our teams and how we work with teams. So we are in constant nonstop development. Um, I've got a support line and we have, you asked earlier, how do I get clients? Um, we do have a warm leads team. So when people call the, the corporation EOS, if they read the book and they go, I want somebody to help me with this they have a number they can call and then they reach out to the, the right person in the right location for that client and connect us to them. Mm -hmm. well, that's good to have too. Yeah. So yeah, that doesn't provide a time. You can't build your business like that. Like you can't find all your clients like that. Um, no. I think in the year I've been with them, I'm the only one in Hampton roads that does what I do. Uh, we've got guy, a guy in Richmond, a guy in Roanoke, several in DC and several in Raleigh, but I'm the only guy in uh, Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area. Um, so I've gotten, I think, four um, referrals okay. um, over, over a year. Um, so it's it's not going to get me there, but it at least it at least helps. It fills some holes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know we're, we're probably at time, Abby, are we? Yeah, we're running out. Well, we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was the last, last question. I think I don't feel like we've covered just about everything. Kylie, you have anything else? No, I was just going to say, just um, out of curiosity, tell us something that people don't know about you. Okay. Uh, my degree is in religion and I'm a former pastor. And so that usually throws people. Um, it does make me very comfortable speaking in front of people. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was a youth pastor for several years and a senior pastor um so that was uh that kind of throws people because i'm just a regular guy um i don't come off preacherish um but uh background in faith and that's that's kind of my my history 
but the entrepreneurial spirit came out and um, yeah, I've, I've ended up pursuing business and just volunteering uh, in areas of my prior, my prior life. Right. Well, that's interesting to find that out. <laughs> yeah. That was a curveball, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's probably, we've run out of time. Um, but it was very interesting to, to find out all of what's been going on with this business. It's uh, something that we haven't come across before. As, as you said, you're probably the only person in this market. So it's interesting yeah. to find out. So well, I suppose it's time to sign off. Um, last uh, thing is if, yeah. if people want to learn more about it, there's a book called oh, yes. Traction. Uh, it's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Uh, that's where you would start. Um, you could also read Get a Grip. Uh, if you like a novel format, like a story format, it's Get yeah. a Grip. If you're more technical, it's Traction. Uh, okay. So those are the two books that are out there. They're available on Amazon. That's a great way to learn more about what we do. And how do they get in touch with you then? Um, they can go to eosworldwide.com and uh, search for uh, Jason Williams um, through our directory, um, or they can call uh, 572-7325, sorry, 757-572-7325 is my number. Um, happy to to help first um, and start free and then move on from there. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've been listening to the Retailers Podcast. So if you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can find more at retailalliance.com slash retail-is-podcast or search YouTube for Retail Alliance. And I'm Kylie Ross-Seibert. And I'm Abby Shayano. Thanks for listening. <laughs>